Hello, I'm Joey Morgan. And I'm Kylie ross Seibert. And welcome to Retail Is Podcast. The official Retail Alliance podcast where we talk about all things retail in Hampton Roads. Hello and uh, thank you for joining us for this episode of the Retail Is Podcast. Today we are joined with Courtney Atkins of Shop Talk. We're going to talk to her about what is ahead for retail in 2020. But before then, uh, Courtney, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit? Well, I first want to say thank you so much for having me. Um, and so I am, uh, I'm Courtney Atkins from Shop Talk, and Shop Talk began with Margie Johnson about 25 years ago as a consulting firm. Um, we offer an array of services from consulting services uh, to market research, um, as well as training and development workshops. Um, I had the pleasure of working with Margie for about seven years. And then about two years ago, I opened the Shop Talk 2 division. So I primarily focus on that market research component. Um, I do a lot of mystery shopping. Um, I also conduct seminars and workshops um, for small to mid-sized businesses across the country. Okay. That's wonderful. Yeah, just, so what, sounds, just what small businesses need. Exactly. And yeah. it sounds perfect for the topic that we're discussing today. Absolutely. For retail, yeah, so yeah. We sort of want to discuss with you what you see as the trends that are coming in, you know, in the future, what the situation is with retail right now, how, you know, small businesses can adapt and um, basically just how what topics do you think might be interesting to our audience. So, um, first of all, I know we had a bit of a chat just about uh, the National Retail Federation. Uh, they had a conference back in January, um, and I know that you keep up with that a lot. So, tell me a little bit about, about, about that. So the NRF is, uh, or the National Retail Federation, is the world's largest retail trade association. Um, every year they conduct a conference in New York, which of course is the epicenter of retail. Um, this year they had about 40,000 attendees and people from over 100 countries um, attended. And so really what this conference is, is it's really you're understanding what's happening in retail and what's to come. So it's really you're getting insight and feedback from some of the top retailers um, in the world. And they have sessions where you on a variety of topics and actually some of those topics we'll talk about today. Um, and there's also expo floors. So it shows you the latest and greatest of technology. Um, I've had the privilege of attending this conference for several times, and you just come away with so much knowledge. It's a little overwhelming at times. I was going to say, um, how long is it? 40,000 people? Yeah, so it's three days okay. um, total, and it's from 8 a.m. to 5 o'clock, and then, of course, there's events and, you know, all sorts of, um, you can also do tours around the city. Um, so there's just, you're really being um, ingrained into the retail world. And, of course, being in New York City, you know, you're also able to visit some of these retailers and see what they're doing and how these trends that were maybe predicted years ago, how they're now being implemented in today's uh, retail world. Which it brings me to another thought that I had. With small businesses, a lot of the trends that are happening in the bigger retailers aren't always adoptable, if that's a word, um, by small retailers just for budgetary, you know, constraints. Um, so, as you said, like the larger retailers, things that have been predicted for years, how long does it take for these things to come around and actually be implemented? 
would say, especially for your small businesses, it's going to be, you know, the life cycle of that is going to be, I would say, it's a trickle down effect. So it's going to be several years before it really starts impacting independent retailers. Mm-hmm. I mean, you'll, you'll see at the NRF, they'll have, you know, for example, robots. Um, they had this pepper robot a couple years ago where, you know, she could, she had an iPad on her and it would show you what inventory was available. You could select items and then be able to pick it up. Of course, obviously, your independent retailers aren't going to have that. Um, but that's something probably the next 10 years you're going to see probably be implemented um, across you know, across all different types of retail because the cost will come down and the technology mm-hmm. um, will you know, just kind of disperse. Uh, down from there. You hope the, the bigger retailers will absorb the, you know, exactly. the upfront costs of all the technology <laughs> yeah. right, until right. it's affordable for everyone else. Absolutely. So what do you think the themes were that came out of this year's? So overall, there was, I would say, some of the top themes um, were, one was know your customers. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I would definitely say, you know, today's world, customers are really driving retail. They're telling you how they like to shop, when they want to shop, what they like. Um, So really understanding who your customers are is going to help you to understand how to meet the needs of that customer. Um, There was a lot of focus, of course, on two specific demographics, which is your millennials and your Generation Z. Uh, Your millennials is anyone born between 1981 to 1996, Mm -hmm. and Generation Z is that 1997 to 2012. Um, Disregarding all us oldies. (laughs) (laughs) No, you are so important. They already know how you shop. (laughs) They figure that out. (laughs) I think, you know, part of the reason the focus on millennials is they've now surpassed the baby boomers in terms of population, and now they have the largest buying power. Mm -hmm. So how they like to shop, of course, is different from your baby boomers, from your Generation Z, um, from all the other demographics. You know, of course, for them, convenience is key. Uh, they use technology. They first, you know, go online to research their products. They like to buy online, maybe pick up in store. Um, so a lot of focus was, you know, who is this shopper and how can we make sure we're meeting the needs of that shopper? Um, the Generation Z, they're the next generation while most of them are relatively still young. Um, how they like to shop is very different than your millennial. You know, your Generation Z, while they grew up with technology, they've lived in a world where they've never know, not known technology. Um, so for them, they actually prefer shopping in store because of the instant gratification that they have. Really? That's interesting. Yes. I did read that, that yeah, it's been a bit of a turnaround. Huh. And so that's kind of, you know, you think in retail, you've, you've got your one shopper really pegged in terms of what they want. And then the next uh, generation comes along and they want something completely different. Um, So you really have to know who your customer is and who your target market Mm -hmm. is Um, because you can't be customer centric if you don't know who your customer is. And for a small business then, how do you think the best way to sort of capture that information? Well, there's a lot of different ways I think you can capture that. Um, You can ask your shopper, you can, you know, really maybe decide, okay, well, when you look at maybe your different categories, you know, which types of shoppers, what are you really shopping for? Um, are you able to get feedback from your shoppers? You know, just really determining how they like to shop. Are you getting most of your consumers from social media? Because, of course, that millennial generation Z is who is really gravitating towards social media. Or are you still maybe you're reaching more of that baby boomer um, demographic because a lot of your uh, typical advertising is what's driving traffic to your store. So I think you really do have to you know figure out who that consumer is is and then stick with it because you know also too with retail you have to really determine you know you're not going to be you're not going to be able to sell to everyone Mm -hmm. so you really want to pinpoint who that target market is so beyond that sort of in customer i mean knowledge what else sort of popped up do you think from the conference yeah um i would say empowering your employees 
that was a really um, big theme from this year is because, of course, you know, you can have you can know who your consumer is, you can have a great retail space, but it really starts internally with your employees. And most successful companies have determined that when you empower your employees, it's going to translate to your customer. So mm-hmm. when you really show your employees that they're motivated, you're motivated, um, you're empowering them to make decisions, you're giving them the tools to be successful. Of course, ultimately, that is going to translate to your customer and, of course, your bottom line. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, a lot of ways with empowering your employees is you want to make sure that they know how to use their soft skills to make sure every customers feeling welcome and wanted. Uh, you want to make sure they're knowledgeable about the products and services they're selling. You know, really knowledge is mm-hmm. power. So if you, you know, if you're making sure they have the tools, they're understanding, you know, all of your policies and procedures, they're understanding what products and services they sell, they're going to be able to further meet the needs of that customer. And also you want them to be engaged in what you're selling. Um, I really, I loved this term. So IKEA has really tried to rebrand their company culture. And so instead of calling their frontline employees, they now call them coworkers because they really have come to the conclusion that, you know, everyone's part of the team. Mm -hmm. No one's position is more important than the other. So when you really, you know, coin the term coworkers, you know, you're not frontline management. There's, you're not putting that hierarchy in there. Instead, everybody's on the same playing field and we're all working towards, you know, the betterment of the company. So how does that translate, though, to, I mean, people obviously still get different pay levels. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. And I mean, I, I think just, you know, a lot of that would be just ensuring that you're showing appreciation for your employees. Mm-hmm. So because at the end of the day, most people really just want to be appreciated. They want to feel that they are valued. You know, of course, pay is always going to be important, mm-hmm. but, you know, tons of surveys have shown that at the end of the day, just, hey, you know, hey, Rick, you did a great job today. Thanks so much for how you handle that customer. And so just getting that little pat on the back, that is going to further promote um, that employee to feel, wow, you know, I really enjoy working here. And of course, I need, you know, I'm going to continue to do well because of the betterment of that company. Mm-hmm. Did they um, did they do any sort of breakdowns based on like the millennial and Gen Z uh, employees as far as uh, what they want in a company? Because it seems like I've seen I've read some things about millennials. Like it's not always about the pay. It's about the culture. And like I, this seems like it leads into that. Absolutely. And that I think is probably a really big um, you know shift when you look at the demographics like your millennials. I mm-hmm. mean, that's why millennials are probably one of the generation that in their average life, they'll have about 20 different jobs, you know, because they stay at a company for a couple of years. So they're not feeling appreciated and they're not feeling motivated or mm-hmm. challenged. They're going to go on to the next. Company. And it seems like with technology and the way everything's going, it's not that hard to find a new job nowadays. Like they're years bombarded with offers. If you ever sign up once on Indeed, you just still get countless <laughs> emails about like every new position that opens up, like the second it opens. And it seems as simple as just click and apply. And I know just even with our membership, how hard it is to find the right fit for an employee to your yes. business. Um, oh, I did. I read that too, actually, about uh, finding the right fits. And then also like 2020 is supposed to be the year of uh, – Job, moving jobs was yes. like the big theme for the one of the themes that I read for the year is that there's going to be a lot of job switching this year with people because people aren't uh, this is like that culture of just staying with a company yeah. for 20 no, years and just sticking it out that's not the right. case anymore absolutely so I think companies really have to you know ensure what are you doing to mm-hmm. enhance that company culture and to really cultivate the employees that you have mm-hmm. and keep those good employees because we also know that 
finding talent can also be very difficult too. Mm -hmm. You know, finding good talent, reliable um, staff. I know uh, small businesses always have a challenge with that. So really thinking about well, what can I do to appeal to my employees to ensure that they want to stay here with me as opposed to you know going somewhere else. Right. So I mean, they're two major things that have come out of the conference I mean just working on those alone uh, this is a full-time job but um was there anything else that you noticed that uh, was that came out of that well I think one of the and this is of course you know really good news for most retailers especially independent retailers is the comeback of the brick and mortar store mm-hmm. um so really you know of course you've had this shift to online where so many people are shopping online but what retail has really noticed is at the end of the day, the physical space is still so important because there are you know things that can happen in the physical space that can't be replicated online. Um, of course, you know the number one would be that human to human interaction. Mm-hmm. People we're social creatures, so we still crave being able to communicate, um, you know, with another person, being able to ask opinions, being able to you know get the information that you need. Um, you also have you know appealing to the senses. You know, people still want to be able to feel and touch. You know, feel the softness of that cashmere sweater or you know walk into the bakery and you know smell that aroma um so of course you can't replicate any of that um online but i think the biggest difference though with a brick and mortar is you have to create that environment that's going to be engaging and you're mm-hmm. going to have to create that experience you know you can't just open your doors and expect they'll come you have to give them a reason to linger longer um you have to you know there's a variety of uh, things that you could do such as um you know, hosting events or workshops um and it doesn't necessarily have to be a large gesture it can mm-hmm. be something as simple as having refreshments or offering them a, a place to sit so that way they can you know sit down and you know chat with uh, their friends and family have come with them. Um, so when you really think about that retail space, you have to think of how am I engaging that customer while they're in here? Um, and there was a quote uh, by a gentleman, Lee Peterson from WD Partners, and he spoke at the conference and he was talking about this topic. And what I loved about this quote was, the war is over, Amazon won. That means physical space is no longer about the distribution of goods, but building brand equity. And I thought that was so uh, poignant because, you know, it's really about, you know, you're creating that experience. A consumer might come into your store and they're going to, you know, know about your brand, your business. Now, they may leave and actually buy off your website, Mm -hmm. not physically in your store, but you've created that experience. You've, you know, you're at the top of mind because they've actually taken the opportunity to come into your store and, you know, um, observe and browse. That's Yeah, that's very interesting, especially when it comes to like, like when I go into a store, I already know what things should cost. Like I could go online and see the average price of a pair of jeans. So I'm not going to be like tricked into buying, spending more. But if I like the store and I'm enjoying it, I try them on and it's a couple dollars more, like not an extreme amount more. I'm like, okay, I'll buy it. I mean, this is a nice store. I liked it. Right. That's usually how I do my shopping. Absolutely. And not only, you know, with that too, if you have an exceptional customer service. Exactly. So that's yes. another really key point is, you know, you can have, you know, an engaging physical space. Um, you can, you know, have the latest product, a great price, but, you know, customer service is still number one in consumers' mind. About seven in 10 customers will spend more money with a business when they've received that exceptional customer service. And I think everyone can think of a time where, you know, you've gone into a place of business and you've received such great customer service that you probably spent more money than anticipated, mm-hmm. but it was, you know, really primarily because of that high level of customer service that you received. 
And so that's something, you know, that customers are still craving as well. And that's something you can offer while you're in the physical space. Mm -hmm. And also when you're thinking of the budget from a small business, you know, that really shouldn't cost a lot of extra dollars just to have, you know, give someone a nice experience or to have a great customer service. So another um, thing I noticed coming out of the conference was to do with content um, and sort of driving e-commerce through content. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so we're definitely seeing and, you know, in, you're seeing that kind of that influencer culture, as it's being called, you know, Instagram. Um, you're seeing how, you know, it used to be companies could market to consumers and tell them what they needed. In today's world, of course, the consumer is telling companies what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, too, Consumers really trust other consumers. Think about when you're online and you purchase something, you look at the reviews most of the time. That's why the influencers or the bloggers have become so popular because, you know, they'll have an outfit or a product or one and they're promoting it. And because they're promoting it, the consumers are more likely to say, oh, you know what? I'm going to buy those shoes because someone like me mm-hmm. um, is wearing that. And so really when you're thinking about that content that's driving the commerce, um, you know, with Instagram, now they've created apps. There's an app called a Like to Know It. And what's really fascinating about this is you can download the app, you can go through and see whoever your favorite influencers are. Mm -hmm. And from there, you click on the picture. If there's a pair of shoes that you like, for example, you click on that, it will lead you directly to the company's website and you can purchase the product right then and there. Within a couple seconds, you can purchase that product that you may not have been exposed to um, before, all because you're on social media. And it's just, it really is mind-boggling everything that's coming out. So when you're really thinking about that of consumers, you know, social media is the new era of advertising. Mm -hmm. You know, that's where consumers are really going first when they see products or services that they really um, want to purchase from. Mm -hmm. So even if you don't sell online, you really need to be there in some form. Absolutely. Yes. Even just having transaction, not a a website, of course, transactional would be, um, would be better. But, you know, even if you think about it, you know, on Instagram, for example, there's a couple local boutiques that I follow um, across the country. And what's great about that is these are boutiques that one's in North Carolina, I don't mm-hmm. frequently go to North Carolina, but they always have their employees, you know, modeling the latest outfits that they have. From there, I'm able to click on their Instagram. It leads me right to their website and I can purchase right from their website. Yeah. So again, you're being exposed to consumers that you, you normally wouldn't be to, um, you know, be exposed to. Right. They could be anywhere, but right. you've got to be prepared, I suppose, <clears throat> to, yes. be like, to be able to ship, to you know, to have inventory in all sizes. I mean, it's... um. It seems a little bit more involved than the old simple, you know, people come into your store and they Mm -hmm. look and they buy and they leave. Um, It is a little, you know. And you have to do your homework, Uh, absolutely. If you're going to decide to do that, you definitely, like you said, make sure that you can handle, Mm -hmm. you know, um, all of what might be coming your way. So at the conference, do they really focus on big box retail or is there things that are – you know, targeted to small retailers? Well, you know, it used to be in years past, it was more big box retailers. But the past couple of years, of course, they've known how important your independent and retailers mm-hmm. are. So there's actually, um, I believe it's on the Monday of the conference, there's a whole, you know, couple sessions dedicated to nothing but independent retailers mm-hmm. and, you know, what's going to work for them. Um, and, of course, some of these are going to be big ideas we're talking about. But you can, of course, uh, decide which of these themes that might work for your business mm-hmm. model. You know, everything's not going to. I think we talked earlier, you know, with 
your marketing budget, things like that. There's some of this that is just going to be out of reach for small businesses. But, you know, still the great customer service, knowing your customers, that's all, that's everything that you can do yeah. um, yourself. Because even you may not have a robot, but that robot was holding an iPad with all of the things on it. You could still have the iPad part of it. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, so elements, I suppose, could still be yes. you know, implemented in your business. So that's, yeah, definitely worth going it sounds like oh um, or at least looking at the website because i believe that yes. they do post a lot of things online they do i mean um it's nrf.com and you can go on there and they have just a lot everything's free a lot of articles about what's happening in retail and trends you can see you know what the, the forecasts are for you know sales um they've you know for valentine's day for example they're you know releasing the numbers for that mm-hmm. um they're also from the conference you can watch certain sessions so there's a lot that you can do without even you know actually going to um, the conference and like i said it's all free there's just really great information that you can um utilize for you know your own business so um i'm curious about this year specifically in 2020, was there anything that's like right on the horizon that's about to come out or anything that people need to pay, be paying attention to like for this year specifically or some big targets they should be aiming for? I would say probably the biggest now that we're, you know, in the 2020s or the new decade, mm-hmm. uh, retail technology. And, you know, of course, this is a topic that's always been um, big, especially, especially at NRF. But what they're really seeing now with technology is it used to be seen as a separate entity. Now technology is really being integrated. So it's part of that retail model. And so understanding the value that it has. And I think it's really important to understand that, you know, there might be a lot of technology that might not be feasible for you or mm-hmm. appropriate for you. But knowing what is out there and maybe adapting some of that technology is going to be important so you don't get left behind. You know, technology is constantly changing. Uh, but really seeing technology as part of, you know, your retail model. I mean, there's ways that with, you know, like the iPad, seeing mm-hmm. what your inventory levels are, I mean, giving your employees those tools um, to better assist the customers. And so really with the technology piece, um, you're going to have a lot, so much data and knowing how to take that data. I mean, you can get analytics from all of your social media sites mm-hmm. or your search engine optimization, but understanding with that data, how it's going to help you know your customers, how it's going to help you empower your employees and also how you can, you know, um, help your supply chain. That's all going to be part of the focus. I think really moving forward is the technology aspect, and you know how you really have to. It's you know, no longer a choice. It's now yeah. part of <laughs> retail. So it's you, you have to have it at this point. Um, so I think that's one thing that really they really were drilling down on at the conference as okay. well, mm-hmm. which is very important. I know in, in previous years, I mean, it's been going on for decades, but um, moving towards more ethical sourcing of materials, Mm -hmm. um, inventory, and so on. Was that another theme that they talked about there? Absolutely. I mean, you know, that, like you said, that's been happening for a long time now, but now this is something that, you know, with customers really want to know where their products are coming from. They Mm -hmm. want to spend their dollars with companies who are purpose-driven and have the same values as them. It's a big Generation Z thing, isn't it? I remember reading a lot about that. Absolutely. You know, they, they really want to know, okay, well, um, the product, you know, where's this product coming from? You know, the materials that this uh, from this product are, is it safe for the environment for people? Um, what are the working conditions of those people? Mm-hmm. So they really want to see that transparency. You know, what is that life cycle um, of that product? You know, and 
when I'm making my purchase, is it also going to make me feel good and that, you know, it's going to be a sustainable product? I mean, a great example, local example would be Hamilton Perkins. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, he creates handbags, clothing, an array of items, all from 100% recycled materials. I mean, from water bottles and billboard vinyl and pineapple leaves. And so he creates these products that, A, the consumer can feel great about carrying because they know that this is a 100% recycled product. And they also, it's unique. No two items are going to be alike. And so that also, you know, really um, is that trend of customization Mm -hmm. and having, you know, consumers really want something that's going to be different. Um, So the sustainable trend is not necessarily going to be a trend. I think it's just going to be now part of retail. Mm -hmm. And, you know, more and more companies are having to come forward with, you know, their products, where they're being made, making sure they're fair trade. And that transparency, I think, is it's not just retail. Transparency comes across a lot of different industries, but especially in retail. Absolutely. I think it's going to become more and more of a need of retailers to and it's some, it is a way for them to stand out and be a little bit more unique. I mm-hmm. think because as, as you know, the generations come through and they're seeking that. Mm-hmm. Right. I think it's a good way to to sort of market themselves. Yeah, especially. I mean, if it gets to the point where you're saying that at this point, if you don't do it, you're not gonna. It's gonna be unique for the wrong reason. Mm-hmm. You're gonna be the. You're gonna be the automatically <laughs> thrown out of the consideration when people are. Especially, I mean, so many options nowadays. You just don't know where. Somebody's coming. Somebody just go to the next option. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that also then um, leads into like packaging and as, as well. Mm-hmm. So you know, paper bags, plastic. I mean, it's <laughs> it's not just the ingredients. <laughs> right. It is also how it's delivered and uh, the yeah. end product. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's something I'm, I presume that they covered as well there. But it's something I know we've I'll dealt probably with in the past. Wonder if that's going to be coming to Virginia soon. The uh, no plastic bags and all that stuff that. I know that it was uh, the General Assembly. What is it, Aldi's, one of the most popular stores around here, and they don't give bags. They don't even have to pay for your cart, too. (laughs) And a lot of retailers are doing it themselves. Like a lot Mm -hmm. of small businesses are actually realizing that, you know, they want to be able to be sort of, you know, more environmentally friendly and adopting paper versus plastic. It always looks better, too, for if it's going to happen anyway, it looks better to do it on your own choice than Mm -hmm. to be waste until you're forced to do it and then you just sort of doesn't look as good. Yeah, and then you pass it on to the customer. Exactly, yeah. It's like, yeah, that's not such a great (laughs) marketing ploy there. So is there anything else that you felt was touched on or were they the main themes for the NRF? I would say overall, those were probably most of your main themes. Um, you know, of course, there's always going to be, you know, some, you know, some other themes such as they always talk about a lot about the supply chain and mm-hmm. you know how to um, improve that. Um, but I would say for you know those were probably the overarching themes that were most important to I would say retail as a whole. I mean, you can of course get into very specific um, themes, but these were definitely the ones I would say that were the largest um, overall that you. That were the most important, especially not only in 2020, but I think moving forward as well. Okay. And do you feel, um, I mean, you've got a local knowledge here and and a lot of market research and exposure to, Mm -hmm. you know, local retailers. Do you feel that it's all applicable to the local area or is there things that are specific here that may not be happening elsewhere um, because we are like a military town, uh, we have different weather, obviously. <laughs> um, so is there anything that you see that when you've been dealing with your clients? I would say probably the knowing the customers, as you talked about, because we are, you know, 
the demographics of this area in particular with the military and um, the influx of people, that I think, like you said, could probably be difficult for a lot of stores because, you know, you may not fit the normal model of I only appeal to millennials or I'm mm-hmm. only appealing to the baby boomers because you do have such, you know, this influx of people constantly coming in. And of course, you know, with Virginia Beach being tour, uh, you know, huge tourist destination mm-hmm. as well, you're having people from all other areas of the country coming. Um, so I would say that would probably be one that would probably be a little difficult for some businesses to really um, de- determine. Um, from that. Yeah, it seems hard for this area. You got the college town, military, uh, tourist destination. It's pretty much everything. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so it's how do you, you know, you can't be everything to all people. Exactly. So how do I, you know, really uh, drill down who, you know, my market is? So if you were a small business, <laughs> which you are, mm-hmm. um, but if you were a small you know, business retail, what would you focus on? What would be your first focus for 2020? I would say my first focus would be, I would, it would, I'd probably, my first focus would be empowering my employees um, because with the changing market, they do have so many opportunities of where to go, you know, really getting that feedback from my staff or my team, you know, what's working, what's not working. Um, Because, you know, in today's world, it really is hard to have that reliable staff. And if you've got a great team, you want to keep that team. Um, So really just, you know, taking that internal look into how can I just yeah, I was going to say you can't really build on anything else unless you have a stable. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because I mean, if you constantly have a lot of turnover or people are constantly leaving, you know, you have to also kind of take a step back too and say, okay, well, why are people leaving? You know, what is there's got to be a reason people don't just leave. You know, um, all the time. So you've got to determine that. And the other. Um, what I would also focus on too is how to create that experience with my consumers when they're in the store. You know, consumers have a lot of, there's a lot of competition out there. They have so much that they can go and shop. So when they actually take the opportunity to come into your store, how are you ensuring that they're going to stay in your store? They're going to shop in your store. What are, what's going to differentiate you from your competition? Um, so that's definitely another area I would really focus on. I think for 2020, those would, I think, be probably the most, uh, the two areas that would, I would most focus on. Okay, that's great. And then technology. And then yes, exactly. I think, though, it sounds positive and it sounds that overall, you know, brick-and-mortar retail is not dead. No. Uh, and that, you know, in some ways are having a revolution. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so it's good to good to know. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? Well, um, actually, when you were talking about retail is dead, there was uh, Dave Goboa, who's the co-founder of Warby Parker. And um, Warby Parker, of course, is the glasses uh, company. They started online. Now they have brick and mortar locations. Mm-hmm. And he was quoted as, retail isn't dead mediocre retail is mm-hmm. and I love oh, wow, yeah. because it's so true you know you can't just do what you did five years ago last year you have to continue to innovate you've got to try new things get out of that comfort zone you have to be where the customers are and you really have to understand what they want from that shopping experience because you know they're going to vote with their feet and their wallet and go elsewhere I mean we saw yesterday's news with Macy's you know one of the you know, notably mm-hmm. the world's largest mm-hmm. retailers, yeah. they're closing 125 mm-hmm. locations, cutting 2,000 jobs in the next three years. So what that really shows, it doesn't matter how large you are, how small you are. 
if you're not meeting that needs of the consumers and you're not, you know, really creating that experience, then they're going to go elsewhere. And they're right. You know, and that so. doesn't necessarily mean that Macy's is failing, Absolutely. but they're addressing what is going wrong. Yes. Um, in their business model. Yes. So they're trying to adapt, and I think that that's what any sort of retail business of whatever size needs to do. So, um, and a previous um, interviewee, Mary Landry, mm-hmm. um, she I think she sort of had the same um, theory as well in terms of you know business success is is not necessarily retail is dead, but it's like bad retail. Right, <laughs> yeah. right, exactly. Or retail is not being operated properly. So, yeah, absolutely. That's you just have you have to be agile, mm-hmm. you know, and you have to just be willing to just get out there and try something different. Mm -hmm. That's great. Well, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome, Courtney. Thank you.